I'm here to introduce someone. Oh, no. No. What uh, they don't know is that letting me in front of the mic is never as simple as that. I have to say that one, probably the coolest thing that's come of actually becoming a published author is getting to meet some of the people that uh, I've always wanted to meet, the cool geeks, you know, the cool kids, the real cool kids. And that first started happening for me here at Woodstock several years ago. That's where I first met a certain Will Wheaton, who um, was actually a huge part of my childhood. And... It was only after I'd started following him on the internet that I learned that there was this anti-Wesley Crusher sentiment out there. I'm serious, I'm serious. Because, like, and who is with me? Because like, Wesley Crusher was a huge part of my childhood. Right? Right! Fuck all those other people. The Wesley haters, I never understood that. Because I, I, I watched this show, and I'm like, there's a kid, and he's smart, and it's okay with everyone, and he's not ostracized because of that, and isn't science fiction great? <laughs> and then I grew up a little bit, and I realized that it actually could be like that in the real world, too. And then you get lucky with your book and you happen to meet some of these people and you think that, well, you know, they're cool and they're actors and he's funny online and he's thinner than I am. And, and you go, but, but I am a writer, right? And he is an actor, which means that somebody does words and then he says the words, you know, and you do whatever you can to kind of maintain some tiny piece of, you know, I, I can be better than him in one little way. And then I read some of the stuff that he writes. And it's extraordinarily galling because I had assumed that most actors were merely hollow shells full of other people's words. And that is absolutely not the case with the fabulous Will Wheaton. Well, I wasn't expecting or prepared for that. Hello, nerds. <clears throat> My name, as Patrick told you, is Will Wheaton, and I wrote a book. Um, I wrote a lot of books. This is one of them, and there's a story in this book, and I'm going to read it to you tonight. I wanted to have something new to do at Woodstock this year. Last year, I wrote a stand-up comedy set um, uh, that uh, put horrible images into people's heads that they will never be able to get, uh, exor excise for the rest of their lives. Uh, um, I don't think I talked about uh, condiment bukkake last year, but, but I did talk about spicy dick milk. Um, and, uh, uh, and that was, uh, um, then that was a night that we spent together, friends, on purpose. 
but in the intervening uh, year, I've gotten very busy. Um, I, uh, I have gotten real busy uh, recording lots and lots and lots of audiobooks. Uh, it's become nearly a full-time job for me. Um, and uh, a couple of uh, months ago, um, a TV show that I helped create was uh, put on television by the Sci-Fi Channel, and it's called The Will Wheaton Project. And thank you. It sounds like literally everyone who watches the show is in this room right now, and that's fantastic. Um, so I've been working really hard on that show with a lot of immensely talented and creative people, and it has taken up so much of my time uh, and creative energy that I, I just didn't have anything left in me to, uh, to, to do anything new for you this year. But I wanted to tell you this story that I've never told at a Wootstock before. That's one of my favorites. Um, that uh, uh, is one of those moments where uh, there's this thing that happens in, an, in, an, in, a, in a baby writer's uh, brain as your confidence is building. And there's this moment where you, like, you really want to write and you know that you suck, but you don't know how to not suck. And the only way to not suck is to keep writing. And it's hard because there's this part of you that's just like Carrie's mom that just stands over you and is like, they're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you, right? And they're dump, dumping pig's blood every day over the top of you. And it's, it's, it's awful. Um, and, uh, uh, but there was this, there's this moment where as, as an emerging, you know, like sort of leveling up writer, you go, oh, I can, I'm, I don't completely suck at this. And it was when I wrote this story that I realized that I didn't completely suck at this. Um, but before I get to that, um, oh, look, it's Mrs. Wheaton, everybody. Literally the best thing in my entire life is Ann Wheaton. I have, her, I have her heartbeat tattooed on my arm so I can take her with me everywhere I go because we're that kind of gross, kissy couple. So before I get to, before I get to this, um, at the beginning of every episode of my show, The Will Wheaton Project, uh, uh, I sort of look at the camera and I say something about what has just happened in the world um, so that people know that they're watching a different episode than the one that they just watched. We've, it turns out that people are confused. Um, so I want to I wanna shoot an opening for the show that we're going to tape on Monday, and, uh, and I want you all to be in it. So... Um, you will know what to do when it is time for you to do it. Um, so just uh, uh, um, uh, wa the, watch me work, folks. It's really a treat. Thank you. If you tune into the show on Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern on the network formerly known as Sci-Fi, you, uh, you will be able to perhaps pick yourselves out on television, which I have to tell you, as someone who does that a lot, never really gets old. <laughs> so, oh, one other thing before I get started on this story. Any of my fellow Ravenclaws in the house? Be patient with the other houses. This story is uh, a true story, as most of my stories are, 
and it is uh, dedicated with tremendous affection and gratitude to Gene Shepard, who uh, wrote In God We Trust All Others Pay Cash, which uh, ended up becoming uh, the holiday tradition, A Christmas Story. Um, the story is called Blue Light Special. If someone asked you what toy defined your childhood, what would you say? My kids would say Game Boy if you asked Ryan, and Micro Machines if you asked Nolan. My brother would say NES, my sister would say Cabbage Patch Kids. My dad would say baseball cards. My answer comes without a moment's thought or second guessing, Star Wars figures. They were affordable, they were easily available uh, at Kmart, and they allowed me to create my nine-year-old version of fan fiction, uh, reenacting scenes from my most bestest movie ever, or making up my own. My core cast was Han Solo in the Hoth and regular outfits, Luke Skywalker in the X-Wing fighter or Bespin outfits, that Bespin outfit was really great because it had a removable lightsaber that you could take out of Luke Skywalker's hand and lose the first time you played with it in the backyard. <laughs> My Greedo never got a fucking chance to get off a shot, goddammit, version. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi, I lost the, the plastic robe and broke the tip off the lightsaber version. Princess Leia, I really want to hit that, but I don't really know what that means, but it makes me feel weird in my boner area version. <laughs> C-3PO tarnished paint peeling version. R2-D2 head stopped clicking a long time ago version. They spent a lot of time, these people, fighting on Tatooine, the torn cardboard backdrop version. Anybody get the Hoth playset and realize it was just a repaint of the Tatooine set and you were like, this is bullshit. And then we saw The Phantom Menace and realized that maybe we should get upset at different parts of Star Wars for different reasons. <laughs> they flew around while crammed into a TIE fighter, the one wing really wants to fall off version. Or rolling around the kitchen floor in my land spetter, the keep you hands of it OLs version. I loved my Star Wars figures. I took them everywhere with me. I never owned one of those official carrying cases that looked like C-3PO but they travel with me in a van shoebox that could double as a rebel base whenever the need arose. Last night, this story was written in like 2005. Last night, my son Nolan and I ate dinner at Islands. Right after we put our order in, I saw a kid sitting in a booth at the end of our aisle playing with Star Wars figures on his table. It was like looking through a wormhole into 1981, seeing myself and Bob's big boy in Sunland with my parents. The kid was eight or nine years old, with a mop of shaggy long hair that was probably cut by his mom with the coupon scissors in a chair in the kitchen, just like mine was. He wore a dirty blue Hot Wheels t-shirt, maroon nylon shorts, and Velcro tennis shoes. On the seat next to him, there was an open shoebox. His Star Wars figures were lined up in front of him, and he was making two of them have a fight. I fell into the wormhole and landed at the Sunland Kmart in 1981. It was back to school season for my brother and me, and we were there to buy clothes and tool supplies. My parents never let us feel how poor we were back then, so I didn't know that shopping at Kmart and getting an Icy and a pretzel was a luxury for us. Like all kids, I just took it for granted that we got to have clothes and things because they were there, and we got to have them. That's the way the world worked. After we piled our corduroy pants and collared shirts and trapper keepers and economy packs of pencils and wide-ruled paper into our cart, mom took our three-year-old sister with her to the makeup department to get shampoo and whatever things moms buy in the makeup department. 
My brother and I were allowed to go to the toy department. Can I spend my allowance? I asked. If that's what you really want to do, my mom said. Another in a long string of unsuccessful passive-aggressive attempts to encourage me to save my money. (laughs) But I want stuff now. (laughs) Keep an eye on Jeremy, she said, and don't run in the aisles. Okay. As long as Jeremy, my younger brother, stood right by my side and didn't bother me while we shopped, and as long as he didn't want to look at anything of his own, this was not going to be a problem. (laughs) I held my brother's hand as we walked carefully for about three steps and then started running across the store, past a flashing blue light special to the toy department. Once there, we dodged past the bicycles and ignored the shelves of board games until we got to the best aisle in the world, the one with the Star Wars figures. Row after row of glorious Star Wars figures in blister packs hung from pegs in a wall that stretched up to the sky. Every one of them had a bright orange price tag cut into a jagged sunburst marked, 199! Exclamation point. The smell of slightly burnt popcorn, kind of like the smell in the Rainbow Theater, where I'd go on countless eighth grade, not really, but we call them that anyway, dates, and watch Ghostbusters over and over again in 1984, hung heavy in the air. Hey, want to feel old? Ghostbusters turns 30 this year. (laughs) I stood there experiencing what Douglas Coupland would eventually describe as uh, optional paralysis, pondering one of the most difficult and, and important decisions I would ever make in my life. Which of these Star Wars figures would I purchase? They didn't have the Chewbacca that I really wanted, actually needed, to fill a gaping hole in my cast of characters. They had a lot of droids, but I already had the only two that mattered. They had some cool snow troopers, but they could only fight Han Solo in his Hoth outfit, and I didn't even have that Hoth playset at the time. This made complete sense to me. They had IG-88, who was kind of cool and had an awesome gun, but was in the only one scene in The Empire Strikes Back and didn't even talk. I stood at the wall of toys and wished, as I always did, that I could just get them all and then sort them out at home while my jealous friends looked but did not touch. (laughs) My brother said, come on, Will, I want to go look at the Legos. In a minute, I said. I flipped through the ones that I could reach, hoping that maybe Chewbacca was in the back behind one of the lame figures up front. This is how I'd found Luke Skywalker in the Bespin outfit. Come on, Will, my brother said. When you have a one-syllable name and, some, and a child is whining at you, your, your name automatically becomes a two-syllable name with uh as the second one. Dave, right? Quit it, I said. This is important. (sighs) Okay. It's Lando Calrissian. Uh, He was such a dick in the movie. (sighs) There's no way I'm getting him. That bald guy with the light-up headphone things around his head and those stupid puffy sleeves. What is this, the Bespin Cloud City store? Will... My brother whined. Just then my mom came around the corner. Willow, look what I found for you. She held up a package of Luke Skywalker X-Wing pilot underoos. Oh, cool, I said. Thanks. And I have Batman for you, Jer Bear, she said to my brother. Wow, I'm Batman, he said. Thanks. So did you find something? My mom asked and then pointedly added, or are you saving your money this week? (laughs) Mom, mom, I want to go look at the Legos, my brother said. Okay, Jer, I'll take you, she said. She started down the aisle and added, you need to be ready to go when I come back, Will. Left alone in the aisle, I could focus and make an informed decision. Suddenly, as if they had materialized out of thin air, 
I saw several vehicles and play sets. The play sets were all well beyond my budget, squarely in the realm of birthday gifts from relatives. A Death Star playset among them silently mocked me in my crappy land speeder. However, the sunburst stickers on the vehicles were much more reasonable. I did some math in my head. If I saved my money, I could have a Millennium Falcon in just a couple of months. If I could convince my mom and dad to let me do extra chores around the house, or if I got cast in a commercial or something, I could have it even sooner. Oh, wow, the Millennium Falcon. It was so big it took two hands to fly. My friend Daryl let me watch when he put his together and it had two sheets of stickers. It had this place where you could hide your figures and you could recreate that cool chess game and Luke's fight with the training droid thing. Could I do it? Could I save my allowance until I had enough to buy it? Oh God, what if they didn't have it when I was all saved up though? Then what would I do? My mom would make me put my money in the bank. Once my money was in the bank, I would never see it again. It would just sit there and earn interest. My brother came running down the aisle, never lo nearly losing his ever-present blue baseball cap in the process. Will, look, I got an airplane! He held up one of those balsa wood planes that always broke on its second flight, provided you didn't snap the wing during assembly. <laughs> That's one of, I think, a long line of toys that are created by adults who secretly hate children, and they're actually designed to make children cry. Like, they're just mean. They are mean-spirited things like that. And then the ball-in-the-cup toy is another one that I think is designed by adults who hate children. Um, and uh, uh, those, like, um, uh, the, like, those weird chocolate Necco wafers that actually kind of taste like, you're, like what I imagine dying tastes like. And seriously, did anybody ever get one of those army parachute guys to go more than like three feet over your head? Like you would throw it as hard as you could, like you would need Tommy John surgery after a summer of trying to throw one of those things, and it would go up and one of two things would happen. It would sort of flutter down anticlimactically or it would drop like a stone because the thing never came out of it. This is one of the things that I think there should be fucking investigative Dateline story about. I mean, I can see the BuzzFeed headline right now, like, you won't believe these 15 toys that adults made because they secretly hate children. <laughs> this entrepreneur secretly hated children. You won't believe what he made next. I lost my place. <laughs> oh, no, Wheaton's getting ranty. Somebody better reload his beer. The airplane that broke during assembly. Oh, no, I thought. Mom's gonna be right behind him. I could hear my sister fussing in the cart as he turned the corner and squeaked up behind me. What did you decide to get, Will, my mom said. Amy's getting fussy and we need to leave. I had not had nearly enough time to make up my mind. This was all a plot by my mom to get me to save my money. I had to stall, so I pretended that I didn't hear her. Oh, um, that's really neat, Jeremy, I said to my brother, not taking my eyes off of the toys in front of me. Um, what does that do? It's a plane, you idiot, it flies. <laughs> Will, my mom said, a bit of an edge in her voice. It's got a propeller on it and a rubber band so you can wind it up and that means that it will fly for a long, 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 long time all the way across the yard. 
Uh-huh. My eyes darted from the vehicles to the figures to the playsets and back. That's cool. A stream of numbers and calendar pages flew through my head, accompanied by the Star Wars theme. Bum, 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 bum. You could not buy that, but if you save it, you can get that. And if you go there, and you were three weeks, then you get R5D4. But you don't want him. You really want the Millennium. Falcon, da, 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 da. <coughs> Will, I'm going to count to ten and then we're leaving, my mom said. Oh no, she was counting. This was serious. Shit was going to get real. Three, four, five, three. What happened to one and two? Eight, nine. Why couldn't I make a decision? All of the figures in front of me sucked. This should have been easy. Oh, but there's so many right there. They're right in front of me. How can I walk out the toy department without buying something? I want to have things. I'm a child in the 80s. <laughs> Jeremy has an airplane. 10, what are you doing? As if commanded by some, some unseen puppet master, my hand shot out and grabbed the nearest figure from the rack. I'm getting this one, I said. This one is awesome. <laughs> Take that, mom. No one's going to trick me into responsibly saving my money for something I really want. Okay, put it in the cart and let's go. I looked down at the package in my hands to see my triumphant purchase. Lando Calrissian. <laughs> in my head, I thought of the worst curse word I had the courage to think. Wait, Mom. What? She stood there, hand on her hip, patience wearing thin. My brother flew his airplane, which in the package didn't look like an airplane at all, around in little circles. My sister's fussiness was turning to tears. This was my last chance to back out, admit defeat, and tell my mom that I was going to save my money. I took a deep breath and I said, I, um... My sister scowled and started to cry in earnest. What? The urge to walk out of the store with something in my hand and some stupid sense of victory overwhelmed the more rational thoughts of saving money. I, uh, I, um, I, I want to carry him myself because he's so awesome. Okay, that's fine. Let's just go, she said. I thought of looking back wistfully over my shoulder at the Millennium Falcon as we left the aisle, but I was so ashamed of myself. I was certain I'd be turned into a pillar of carbonite if I did. I went to parochial school, so I knew what that meant. Instead, I trailed behind my airplane-zooming brother and my nap-needing sister while my mother pushed the cart up to the checkout. Will? said a voice that didn't belong in Kmart in 1981. I blinked as the sounds of my infant sister crying were replaced with the killers singing about their friend Jenny, and the smell of burnt popcorn was replaced with the smell of a deep fryer. Are you okay? Nolan asked. Yes, I said. Where did you go? It's a rather mature concept for a 15-year... Uh, it's a rather mature concept for a 15-year-old, but I vanish into memory like that so frequently that he knows it when he sees it. I told him about the kid over his shoulder with all the Star Wars figures lined up on the table. It's like looking at me 25 years ago, I said, as John Williams' score began a mournful reprise in my head. He turned around and looked back at me. You had a Jar Jar Binks figure 25 years ago? <laughs> what? I looked at the line of figures. Han Solo, Chewbacca, Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, and way down there on the end, Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> a, needle scratched, a needle scratched across the imagined record, 
and in my head I thought of the worst curse word I could, and I said it to George Lucas. Thank you all. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot for coming to Wootstock. Have a great Comic-Con. There will now be a brief intermission.